Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender, and with me is my fellow host, Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'd be taking us through Race Car is Race Car Backwards by Ruben. Good evening, Laugh. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm great. Someone made me listen to an album with 16 tracks this week. Who was that? that uh, he's um, kind of six foot, maybe five ten to six foot, brown hair. You know, six, six foot on a warm day, mate. Six foot on a warm day. Beard looks a little bit like yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This album does have 16 tracks. I don't know why. I don't know how 18 year old me tolerated it really but you know 35 year old me struggled to tolerate it as well and here we are we listen to like 70 minute fucking post-rock albums without blinking true and then you get presented with a 48 minute punk rock banger Mm, the the jury's out on that one yeah i disagree but you know what nostalgia is so so important I can't see many flaws in this album, sadly. So, yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. <laughs> welcome to welcome to Alive Just Blethering. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, if you come back, why? <laughs> <laughs> no, if you've come back, thank you very, very much for coming back. We really appreciate it. The Instagram at AOGB podcast is the easiest way to get to us. You can send us a message on Twitter. I ain't going to read it. Don't know about you, Keith. Twitter, I, I even tried to log into Twitter today and just forgot to do it. I think <laughs> uh, I think for the listeners, um, Lav and I are a bit tired at the moment. Lav's, uh, Lav's on a new journey at the moment. I'm on a, I'm on the same journey for a while in our, in our personal lives at the moment. So, yeah, I think uh, we're... Uh, we're here though. We're ready to go. We're in tune. This is this is AOGB. We don't fuck around here. We are genuine somethings. We're podcasters. We have released a podcast, and if someone has listened this far in, you're doing well. Yeah, if you didn't drop off at that point, thanks very much for being here. Uh, this is this is maybe this is maybe the episode that might become referential in the future to the point where like, ah, oh, this is where they lost it. This is where they finally <laughs> lost their shit. They gave up. They jumped the shark. Uh, Ruben Ruben drove Keith over the edge, and Lav can't appreciate that. He doesn't doesn't care because it's 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 a ten out of ten for him. And again, I'll, again, uh, we have to we have to acknowledge that there's so much nostalgia at play, and that can't be denied. We wouldn't have a podcast if it wasn't for nostalgia. We've talked about it before. We are we all view these albums through rose tinted glasses. Nostalgia is, is a key factor to the entire existence existence of our podcast, and clearly you have it because I don't. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't listen to Ruben back in two thousand and four, two thousand and three, then you probably wouldn't. They were a relatively short lived band. The uh, the flame that burns twice as bright burns out quickest. Blech, twice <laughs> as bright, more like fucking the f- flame that just. It's an elongated fart just dies out eventually. <laughs> Man, you are talking about a chart-topping album here. Do you know what position it reached in the UK charts? 
tell us tell tell the listeners number 88 hey that is higher than i've ever had an album chart <laughs> is is the is the often go-to phrase they did better than i did i don't know what the other albums did they had they basically had three and this was their debut I love the title straight off the bat. I really like that it makes you think. Because when when you say someone race cars race go backwards, the first response I usually get is no, it isn't, and then they go, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, full full confession. Uh, I did that, and I did that for way too long and more than once. So every time I would come back to the <laughs> album, I'd just be like, no, but is it? Is it is race car? And, and my wife's a, an English teacher, and I'm like, does that is that? And she's just looking at me like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Get, literally getting schooled on how to spell. Age thirty five. Thank you very much. I'll take that. <laughs> Didn't do my English exam twice for nothing, y'all. Yeah, I do it twice. Did you fail the first one? <laughs> no, I just didn't get a very good grade. Thought I could thought I could do better. Marginally did better the second time around. Current, currently struggling to spell race car. <laughs> More so, just look at the word race car and then look at it backwards and see if it's the same. Okay. Yeah. So apparently, in 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 an interview, it's about not seeing something until it's pointed out to you is what's been said, and I I think that's a a great title for it. Too many bands sort of have a title track. And mm-hmm. this this album doesn't. There isn't a song on race cars, race car backwards called race car or backwards or anything like that. It's just a total self referential to, to to the the name of the album, and I think that's sort of unique in a sense. Admittedly, the albums we discussed last week they didn't have songs called "Ideas Above Our Station" or "The Neon Handshake." No, they did have a neon handshake. Uh, no, I know what you mean. It, it, it's generally a staple of of songs that either the name of the song itself will be the chorus or will be mentioned somewhere or indeed there is a song that is a title of the album as well. That's not uncommon. And you would think with some of the names on this album, No One Wins the War, Stuck in My Throat, Follow the Bastille, Tonight My Wife is Your Wife. Mm, okay that they would potentially have race cars, race car backwards. I don't think that would be, that that wouldn't be unusual or, or, or be uncommon. But yeah, it's it's, it's a quirky little name. Uh, it made me think way too hard and maybe made me feel a bit like an idiot. And that's why we got off on the wrong foot. Race cars, race car backwards. It insulted you from the get-go, did it? You mugged me right off. <laughs> you must be mugging me right off. You sound like Jimmy Ledman. Oh, yes. The band, they're from Surrey, so they've got that strong cockney twang. I watched the video and I was very, very surprised at the uh, the cockneyness of it. It, it took, me, took me a bit by surprise. But hey, <laughs> cockney, cockneys are people too, apparently. Ah, oh, being Scottish, you hate the fucking English, eh? <laughs> No, I live here. <laughs> this is the joke. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do hate them. This is the I'm, joke. I'm, he- I'm here on mission. I'm here on a mission. In our, Don't in our, anyone. in our friendship group, there are several people now. Well, there are now at least two <laughs> who, 
who are extremely Scottish. Like, you know, giving Mel Gibson a run for his money. Hang, hang on. Hang on. Where are we going here? We're not all anti-Semitic. <laughs> what a fucking... I love Terrible. that's where you. I love that's where you went with that. I mean, I was totally talking about Braveheart, but no, no, you want to go down that route? Okay, then. We're not all historical inaccuracies either. Good lord, man! You, you're, 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 you're a caricature of yourself. So you could have gone for Groundkeepers Willie. Is all I'm saying. Okay, fine, fair enough. I've got two friends who are Groundkeeper Willies. Are you going to name them? What you <laughs> and Bobag? Oh. oh, okay. And they both. Love the English so much that they married them. They both have English wives. All right. Okay. We're yeah, yeah. We did. That's how Scottish I am. That's how Scottish they are. They they want to integrate. I I remember that line from Braveheart. That that old man said, and he was like, "The problem with Scotland is there's too many Scots." I remember that. Well, do you know what? The problem with England: too many English. All hail the patriarchy. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, we have gone. We're definitely tired, and we went into the deep end straight away. Let's bring it back, Ruben. Race cars, race car backwards. Swimming, swimming it out on this one. Um, I I got into this band. I I remember it quite quite well. So, um, anyone who's from Newcastle, uh, from the the early two thousands, basically the place to be when you were into alternative music was. The Newcastle Green, or the the Hippie Green, or Goth Green, Old Eldon Square. Is this is this like a is this like a park or is it's this a, a club? It's a, an area of grass. It's probably like if you're from Edinburgh, the equivalent of like St Andrew's Square. Okay, so a park then. A park a makes square. it sound a par- Yeah, a square of grass. A park makes it sound like there's some sort of attraction. You see, at least St Andrew's Square has got like a very large. Um, monument uh, to 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 some lord in the middle of it. I believe it's Lord Dundas. Probably had slaves. Definitely had slaves. Um, Tear it down. Let's God, teach. we are edgy tonight. Let's teach. We are let's teach. edgy tonight. We need to educate. Anyway, anyway. So the, the Kippy Green, Goth Green, Old Eldon Square, a patch of grass. Basically, there was a, a few shops nearby that would have all of the alternative things you could ever want so if you're from edinburgh it's coburn street on a around a patch of grass spot on absolutely 100 percent excellent description of what goth green is and if you're not from edinburgh where was all your alternative clothing shops where was potentially your sex shops where was your piercing places where was some tattoo parlors where where did you buy the incense and really bad jewellery, and your pocket chains, and your bongs and shit. That was Coburn Street. Precisely. That is that is exactly what Old Eldon Square was. There was a shop called Katmandu, which was where you would procure all of these things. There was a shop called Pet Sounds, where you would buy CDs and knock-off merchandise. This has some major George Square vibes. It look oh, it's it's totally changed now. Um, but I mean, now it's got like a Nando's and a Greg's and stuff. I don't remember having those nice things. Ooh, fashionable. <laughs> so so up and up and coming. Uh, but yeah, at the time that was where I used to hang out. So 
I lived about a 40-minute bus journey away from Newcastle, uh, so it was not uncommon for me and some friends and friends of friends to all aim to get on the same bus and arrive in Newcastle and look through the CDs, look through the new knockoff hoodies, get a new wallet chain from Kathmandu, and then sit on the grass and admire your purchases. Yep. So during one of those days, a friend of a friend was talking about the music he'd heard that week. We hadn't seen each other for a couple of weeks, perhaps at this point. Different schools, yada yada. And one of those bands he mentioned was Ruben. Okay. Don't know why I said that so high-pitched. Ruben. 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 Ruben! <laughs> I'm going to come to something later on that. So... <laughs> I bet you will. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh, man, I can't get over that funny one that uh, Jamie said last week. I love that about the name of your sex tape or something. <laughs> well, I'll work that in later as well. N- nailed me. Uh, anyway, so... He mentioned that they'd had a song that was on MTV and it was called Stucks, Tell Me It's All Right. Very catchy song, very um, very alternative vibe. It was very much in the same vein as 100 Reasons and, and that sort of sound. It, it was great. And every time that came on MTV too, I would leave it on, I would listen to it. And of course, I would then retire from the room which had Sky, to my bedroom, to download whatever Napster would hold. Mm-hmm. And you would discover more about the band. And it was at that point I discovered they didn't have an official album out yet, which was sort of, I don't know, a bit alien. Yeah, I'm just trying to see it just now. I'm aware there was, they, they did release an EP. So they, they went under a different name. Angel? Angel was what their their original name was, and... Angel supported 100 Reasons, like, when they played locally. They, they were going to change the name to Words From Ruben. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was apparently just a, a wee bit too emo. bit too on the nose. bit too, bit too like, ooh, Words From Ruben. So they just chopped that off and left it as, as one. Uh, however, for all of you still listening, their website wordsfromruben.com oh. still there to this day. Accurate. And I have to say, this is something that I think is really important as a, as a time capsule. So you go to wordsfromruben.com. The band's website is still there, held as like a, a time capsule to when they existed. And you visit it, and it's and it really is like looking back through time. You mm-hmm. see the, 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 the weird CSS that it's, oh. uh, Keith Keith just died a little bit inside, but he has to he has to embrace his inner eighteen year old. No, he doesn't. I'm having flashbacks to when I used to have to build websites that looked like this. There we go, you see? It's very, very nostalgic. Oh dot PHP Oh no. Yeah. It's not even secure love. You wouldn't go anywhere near this website these days. I get many warnings when I go near it. I don't like it. <laughs> I must admit. Be- oh my god. Site designed by Ruben, created by Rick. Ultimate song list data by Rick, Aiden, and Ruben. Best viewed with IE6 Plus at 1024 times 768. Those are the uh, settings, baby. That takes you back, surely. And what are, you tr- what are you trying to say? This is a good thing because. Because it, 
it's a time capsule. It's it's a remember your past. You know, there's there's something when you look at websites today that I think I mean, I was having a conversation with with one of my younger relatives the other day, and it came on to like what was the sound of the internet, and it was that that dial up modem sound. Ah, got you. Sorry. And they had no idea what that was. They've never experienced what we went through, Keith. We we were all in it together. Yeah, but lad, your own children won't even know what a DV. Oh, you're, no, wait. Your own children won't even know what a Blu-ray was. I've you know, got, they've, like, got, they, they've got. She's got spirited away on Blu-ray. Right. Okay. Well, when that. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure. All that stuff is on Netflix just now anyway. It is. You know it's I mean? never come out of it. it. I literally bought it and then it all came out on Netflix like two weeks later. I was devastated. So does she know what the... If she wants to watch Spirited Away, where does she go? Netflix. Exactly. So she doesn't have a fucking clue what that blurry was. She has, a, she has a blue box of DVDs of Hanna-Barbera DVDs. Like it's like a box right. set. And she doesn't call them DVDs. She just says, can I pick something from the blue box? Exactly. They will be a memory to her. This conversation that we're having, this time capsule that you are trying to protect. Right now I'm trying to get to MySpace and they're giving me a fucking cookie policy. This time capsule that you're trying to protect Don't start is, MySpace. is that blue box that your daughter doesn't even know what's in it. Speaking of MySpace, whoever owns MySpace needs to sort that website out. It is an actual disaster at the moment. It scrolls like to the right there is no nah, it's scrolling left it's scrolling top to bottom for me have you have you been to a, a band page yet becky g what up <laughs> first one you found oh yeah oh this hasn't changed in years though it's not but i would love it if myspace made like a just did like hit a nostalgia kick and they made like a proper old school looking myspace page that would be cool. That would get me interested. That would be cool for the millennials that remember it. But then there's also that generation that are about 20 years behind who who think who want to make something for themselves and they, they think they invented it. Yeah, so they do a TikTok dance. Exactly. But to an old school MySpace background. The funniest thing I've heard this week, the funniest thing I've read this week is that Billie Eilish is just Avril Lavigne for people born after 2005. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. It's fucking on the nose. You can't. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. When do you think she's going to wear a tie? Oh my god. It's, it's coming. That'll be that'll be iteration three Just coming. Yep. So yeah. So anyway, the, the words from Ruben was the name of the website. I was an active member on their forum, and that's I'm going to look for you. Oh, they've got a page called the Boys. Hmm. <laughs> God, it's in the same sort of container. Mark, oh, yes. John and Guy, Jamie. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, great. Mark was the original drummer. So anyway, they had a they changed drummer. They had their first like de- debut was called Pilot. Yes, two thousand and one. There were five hundred copies made, which had five tracks, and any copy afterward, I think, only had four tracks. And I am a proud owner of a five-track version. How much is that worth? £15 on Discogs, last I checked. Impressive. I ain't interested in selling it, but you know what? 
money talks. If someone wants it, hit me up. I've got Race Cars, Race Cars Backwards on day of release. Because I was waiting for this album. I was like, it's coming out soon. It's coming out soon on the forums. Everyone's chatting about it. Going to get it, going to get it. It's coming out Monday, coming out Monday, right? Going ahead to hit hit up HMV on Monday. Went in, there it was on the new music release stand. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't know, what would you, what would you, it's like the spinny bit. Carousel? And yeah, grabbed it, bought it. There we go. So it came out on Extra Mile. They're a subsidiary of Sony, aren't they? Maybe. Because Extra Mile, if you look at Extra Mile recordings, 2004, in that sort of era, they had some cracking bands. It appears they were. On 8th of August 2011, Extra Mile were badly affected by the 2011 England riots when the Sony Music Warehouse that stored their records were set on fire. So, some of the masters may have been lost, similar to the Universal lot. Was it Universal? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers lot fire. Like, literal tapes of masters that will never, ever be remastered. Gone forever. That's why they're not coming back. Ruben. That's why Ruben aren't coming back. Although they did release, they re-released um, Race Car is Race Car Backwards and their second album, Very Fast, Very Dangerous, they re-released as a double on vinyl last year. Oh, cool. And they called it uh, Race Car is Very Fast. Of course they did. Bit of, a, bit of a simple theme going on with the names of the songs. Like as much as Race Car is Race Car Backwards might make you do a bit of a thinker-rooney, very fast, very dangerous... Not, not really invoking the same sensibilities for me anyway, personally. Yeah, I've, I dropped off after race cars, race car backwards. I will admit, and it was not through the quality, but just where my head went with music. And yeah. I was thinking about this. So last week we were speaking about, or at least I had in my head, that this sort of time of my life. I was sort of listening to a lot of British emo acts, which were probably more pop orientated, shall we say? A bit more indie vibes. Is this some of the the bands that we talked about last week? Spot on, precisely that. We had, you know, we were talking about 100 Reasons and Hellas for Heroes. Yes, last week. I nearly said 100 Reasons again. (laughs) 100 Reasons and that other band, 100 Reasons. Yeah, talked about them at length. Other bands within that sort of realm, uh, Block Party, Your Codename is Milo. These sort Both of bands that don't actually contain the word the in their name. Yeah, I know. Um, bad examples. Huh? <laughs> um, Block Party though is the um, oh, what the first album was called Bank Banquet. The first song they released, the first album, it was from the album Silent Alarm. Silent Alarm. Thank you. Wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful album. Silent Alarm. Like that is genuinely just so nice and good it's such a nice I can, good pure thing and I love it I can name about four albums I can't think of how I can name four albums I have bought very very few digital albums mm-hmm. in that time space Silent Alarm was one of them any particular I reason paid why paid money or? 
I just wanted it. I wanted to get it. I want it in good quality. I wanted it. I, I, I wasn't afraid to pay for it. I knew I would enjoy it and then listen to it. Other albums that I bought, there was a band called Test Icicles. <laughs> Man, that band is severely underrated if you've never listened to Test Icicles. They okay. are so, so good. And another one was the Your Codename is Milo album. Again, I wanted to support the band. I wanted to make sure I didn't just download it off the internet like I was with 99.9% of the stuff I listened to. Um, actually buying it was was a real sign from, you know, I know the band's not going to thank me for it, but it was my my way of saying I need to support these bands. They, they need something. I went through something very similar, to be honest, where, like yourself, for years and years and years, I downloaded singles and albums and, and whatnot, and then it sort of got to the point where, I don't know, I think it was probably at the time where I overlapped having a free Spotify account and, you know, albums started to come out where I was like, oh, right, well, if I'm listening to it on Spotify and I'm paying, I'm not paying for it, well, then these guys aren't making any money from me and maybe I'm not going to go to a gig or, or whatever, and there were a few few of bands and some architect stuff i would have to go into my my amazon collection now because i think it was most off of amazon i bought stuff from but yeah i sort of felt that as well where like the just the advertising got to me and the 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 concept of piracy got to me a little bit and that's when i would buy some records but digital downloads and then i started paying for amazon and or sorry started paying for spotify and i never give a fuck anymore yeah and I think mine's sort of now dulled away into sort of buying vinyl records. That's my thing. If I buy a vinyl record, that is a statement of intent for me to say, I think this album is so good. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to literally pay 20 quid to have a physical product that I've waited several months for because I probably got it on pre-order and it's going to go and gather dust on my shelf because I'll still listen to it on fucking Spotify. Yeah. You know, but it's it's a statement of intent to say I wanted the physical thing, and I think there was a one that stuck with me was a, a case I read about back in two thousand and five. I'm going to just say mid two thousands was Bruce Willis took Apple to court. Yes, yeah, I remember this because he wanted to gift his iTunes music collection, which I'm assuming Bruce Willis paid for. You know, be Bruce Willis. Yeah. Oh, that was that was his point. He paid a million dollars, if not more, towards Apple Music to own these this this collection as he saw it. But actual terms and conditions said, no, you don't you don't own the music. You just own the right to listen to the music. That's right, and it, the same goes for anyone who's ever bought a CD, a bit of vinyl. You do not own the music. You don't not you do not have the right. To give that away, you have the right to sell it. You don't have really the right to sell it either. It's not yours to sell. Yeah. All you have bought is a license to listen to it. Exactly. I think getting something on physical media to me is is really important because I think really there's nothing stopping Spotify just going off tomorrow. Yeah, and then you're fucked. Absolutely fucked. Um, yeah, there's other streaming services out there I'm sure we'd turn to. But at the same time, they they hold all the cards as far as I'm concerned. 
not only for you as a listener, but also for artists. Yeah. So, you know, that there's a lot of livelihoods in that. Same goes for YouTube as well, actually. When you hear a lot of YouTubers sort of like complaining about the algorithm or getting you to like and subscribe to a video ad nauseum, it gets a little bit tiring as a as a listener, but or as a as a as a viewer. But really, that's because they're relying on this third party company, not as an employer, just as a platform. Yeah, and it's you've it's why you get sort of you've a lot of these artists creators etc will then go into other platforms such as patreon and 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 beyond so that there is essentially a second lane of income they're not because what was it was it adgate or was it advertisement gate or whatever a couple years ago on youtube surely you were aware of this where essentially the, the youtube algorithm for advertising was failing and you were getting you know coca-cola ads put up against you know al-qaeda Ad, like videos that hadn't been brought down yet the algorithm hadn't caught them oh yeah right okay i'm aware of that one yes. yeah it was it adgate so nike pulled it to youtube coca-cola pulled it to youtube a lot of big people pulled it to youtube until they could guarantee their algorithm would work but then really content strikes became a very big thing because the algorithm became too aggressive and you have anything in before it became a little bit more refined, you could have anything in your video, and if the algorithm caught it, well then, you were fucked and your your video got demonetized. The one that came to light for me was uh, a YouTuber called, uh, at the time they were called Jim Sterling. Yeah. And they, they made a promise to their viewers that they would not have adverts on their videos. He was making enough in Patreon subscribers that he was like, I don't need to put these adverts on so he would have adverts switched off on the videos that he made and that was great i used to love watching them because there was no interruption but it was discovered that if you used footage or music from a copyrighted source or from something that was ip from another area the person who owned that ip could say I want my work to have an advert in it. So Nintendo were really bad for this. Mm-hmm. And if you had footage from a Nintendo game in his videos, he talked about video games a lot, it would Nintendo would use content ID to find their content being used in these videos and say, well, we now own part of that video. So while you might not want ads as the creator, we do. Yeah. So they then get a share. And he came up with a great little trick. Was if he found several songs from different publishers, from different labels, and play them. It meant no one would get any money. Right, because they were all trying to grab the advertising at the same time. Yeah, they were all fighting over it. And he was just like, I don't give a toss. You don't get an advert. I don't lose any money. They fight over it. It's, and, and it was a really clever little trick so he would just dance to um, uh, some I want to say Spando Ballet song but I could be completely wrong he would just dance to that song every every video yeah. Chains of Love you would just play that just to be like oh gotta bet the content lock on and you just you'd play the whole song and it was just him dancing in like a spandex suit or something just to take totally like 
rip the piss out of this shitty algorithm. Very cunning. I've just gone back over my Amazon music. I actually bought some okay stuff, I think. Some absolute shockers in here, but some pretty good stuff. Belong Betrayed, Devil Sold His Soul. Guidance by nice. Russian, Russian Circles. Lost Forever, Lost Together, Architects. Uh, Polar Similar and Wrongdoers, Norma Jean. Wow. Caspian. Very good. This Will Destroy You, Every Time I Die, Devil Wears Prada. Susan Sundfor, Norwegian um, solo artist. Tremendous. That 10 Love Songs, pff, that album made me cry every time. Heise Kite. I had a Norwegian phase for a while. Heise Kite are like, a, okay. are like a Norwegian sort of pop band. And they did really two really good albums. And then they went... I started to view them in the way I now view Paramore, where it became oh. it became evident that the band were a four piece, but actually it was just two people, and everyone else were just, and I just I just sort of lost interest in that. I'm yeah. I'm swithering whether or not to do Paramore for the podcast. I used to fucking love Paramore, and then no shame in that. But no shame in it. But today I can't listen to them because I now hate Haley Williams. Fair enough. I mean, we could talk about if we did Paramore, we definitely have to talk about the the recent stuff with like Olivia Rodrigo and and things. What what came up with her basically covering Misery Business, right? But not at the same time and getting a um, cease and desist. No, no, actually, it ended up getting whoever wrote Misery Business that wasn't Haley Williams. Whoever wrote like the music has now got a credit. On the Olivia Rodrigo song, uh, was it the the brothers? The good. I I don't know. I don't know enough detail to get that interested. But Fair. anyway, they're getting credited for it, and I noticed it more recently with um, a Machine Gun Kelly song, and I was like, "That's a Reliant K song." Like, I have heard this song a hundred times. <laughs> I have. Why? Why am I hearing it on this song? I'm hearing this song for the first time on the radio. And it sounds brutally familiar, but not just familiar. It's the same song. And then it wasn't until looking into it, I was like, yep, the person from Reliant K has a credit on it. Yeah, it's a sample. He's li- not a kick in the arse of a sample. It's not quite a sample, though. He's like, he's actually made a remix almost of that song. Right. And that's where he's getting his fame from. And you know what? If it makes you famous, if it makes you money, good for you. Don't try to claim that it's original, please. I have to admit, at the same time, though, I also bought the 1975, their first album. I have an interesting story about the 1975. Go for it. By the way, that album, catchy as hell. Like, it, they, it, got, its, bought it. it got its hooks in me, man. And I was... I also bought Elijah, you know, Death Heaven. Try to get a little bit of credit here. Uh, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, 1975. What was the name of the singer? 1975. Someone's going to be screaming if they're listening to this because I should know this kind of stuff. I just remember his parents were in like Coronation Street or something. Right. So his parents, Tim Healy. Yes. And Matt Healy. Because it's not Matt Healy. Tim. No, Matt Healy's the son. Right. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Is it Healy? And his, his mum is. Yes. Denise Welsh. Yes. That's it. Right. So they used to live in a little village one mile from where I'm from. Shit. Called, called Ebchester. Lol. And I am 
sure to this day that me and Matt Healy shared a babysitter. Because when he would have been about five or six, I think we're roughly the same age. I think he's a little bit younger than, than I am. He is younger. Because his because my babysitter was used to babysit for Tim Healy. Well, why didn't you at him? Just be like, what's up, Matt? Did, uh, did we used to have the same babysitter? What's up, bro? So I'm pretty sure, it, I don't know how old he would have been, but it would have been when he was probably about five or six, he moved to Manchester with Denise. Right. And that's, and that's obviously being in Manchester has been where he's been able to find the talent to to become, you know, one of the bigger rock stars of the sort of 2010s. Bit of a dig in the northeast, but okay. I'm I'm not going to lie, the place is a shithole. You're authorized to say that, I'm not. <laughs> it's it's um it, it drags it can bring you down as there's, there's one of my friends, I don't know if he still listens, but uh he he can't stand the the small town mentality. No, neither can I. That that comes with it. But on that com on that note, one of my one of my good friends from when I was eighteen years old, Dean, if you're listening, hello. Me and him were huge on Ruben. Thank you. We're back. Back on Ruben. We were massive on it. And they were just one of those bands that we found and we just listened to together in my shitty one point two L Reg Cleo kicking it fucking what was probably maybe 10 miles per hour but it said 130 on the speedo <laughs> like totally leathering that about so i would have been about i must have been over 17 by this point and it was just this album it would have been 18 by the by the time the album came out and just driving around playing that at full blast skipping at every speed bump on oh, the cd God, player you know the you know the life I ended up downgrading my car's CD player to a tape player just so that I could plug <laughs> you in. You took the head. Just so that I could plug in one of those, like, C, uh, 3.5 mil to tape yeah. aux things. Yeah. Just so I could plug one of those in and play off my mini-disc player. Best decision I've ever made. I think I was, I think I was belligerent and stuck with the CD players as long as I could. And then, I mean, I'm sure everyone did this. I made a lot of my own CDs, mixed CDs, you know upgraded from no I didn't upgrade it's a lie take that back didn't upgrade once I had my own car with the CD player I had to migrate from mini discs to CDs and I would make my own CDs but enough of that crap I've obviously not been particularly welcoming in in what is Ruben you were huge on them like what is it about like talk to me Bring me through your story. What is it about, like the the? the Sorry, I've I've realised I, I started a story and I've totally trailed off. That wouldn't be like as so at all. the indie bands, the indie bands, right? Cool sound. This was more metallic. It had a heavier. I don't know. Jamie's voice is quite aggressive at times. Mm-hmm. The drums. Are f- they fucking hit? Mm. I think guys drumming smashes, and it's you know it's a lot of it's in the recording, but in the writing too. Uh, and I think just listening to the the album, it's a head to me, it's a headbanger. 
and it was this that I I would credit this album as being the sort of the rudder that just steered me into a more metal sound. Wow! Because okay. I mean, I'm trying to think, trying to put myself in where I was in that time, June two thousand and four. Three months later, I would be literally packing up my shit and moving to Edinburgh. Hmm. And it was moving to Edinburgh, meeting totally new people, discovering entirely new music. So I'd been through for the last maybe, well, we talked about hybrid theory. That was released in 2000. So within four years of, of listening to going through the new metal, going through some of the older metal bands, going through my grunge phase, and then hitting this, it was like a culmination of all those sounds that 90s metal, punk rock, and the the grunginess and the, the sort of that modern twist on it. And then I can probably like say it was possibly like the last time I remember listening to not metalcore and not hardcore punk. Because I can name the, the next thing that I heard was probably Avenge Sevenfold and Poison the Well. Poison the Well. And Comeback Kid. Yeah. All these, all these suddenly just came out of nowhere and that was it. I'm looking at the, sort of, the episodes we've done, or the episodes you've done, and it's Hybrid Theory, White Pony, Satellite. So we're very much early 2000s, new metal. Then you sort of shifted into Golden State. Then we went to Lateralis. The Bleed American... Color in the shape, rated R. See, bleed American, color in the shape. These are the sort of this speaks to me as to why you were maybe listening to Ruben at the time because these are more these sort of alt rock moments bands that makes a little bit of sense and sort of is your journey here. Yeah, and this was sort of the the, the pinnacle of of this or this crossroads, should I say? And I ended up going hard on the metal and hardcore punk at this stage. Yeah. After after this album, I feel like it all cha- everything that came after this album changed it, and that was when I got into my much heavier stuff. Your kill switches, your as I lay dying's, your in flames, yeah. all that kind of stuff just came came Mother out of Jean. it. As I lay dying, especially great example. You know that was. I mean, when if you if anyone wants to go back and listen to like the f- first one of the first Azalea Dang albums, is it Frail Words Collapse? It's, it's so raw. It's it's brutal. It's hard. It's a hard listen. If I'm being perfectly frank, but at the time, it was like nothing I'd ever heard before. It's the thing that sort of gets me with the album, and I almost it almost feels weird to 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 be critical of this. But it's such a melting pot. It's there's there's so like the sort of phrase I usually say is like so many swings and misses or swings and hits. You know, there's really great enjoyable stuff in this album. There's 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 riffs for days. They don't all land with me, but you know, there's 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 so much stuff. And like we've already sort of hit on before, there's sixteen songs in this. There's almost too much. I I don't want to like limit the band and say pick a lane but you can go from a really heavy intro to a bit of a more chilled out 
outro you can go from what is kind of like an alt rock rock song into more of a metal song the guy can be screaming on a verse that traditionally isn't maybe a, a, a scream like doesn't have the screaming music to go along with it like there's just in listening to the album over the last week trying to get my head around these 16 songs it's very very daunting to, to, to get a grip of this stuff and I could imagine had I sort of heard this in 2004 I'd have probably not gone back to it because it would have been too much work maybe just because I'm lazy fair I I was definitely in a in a shall I say a, a privileged position because I'd already heard the band yeah a lot I was very much of the fandom that they were aiming at and to certainly for one for one thing looking over the releases of the songs so the song let's stop hanging out that was released as a single in 2003 i think so before the album came out well before the album so before it was a different recording they re-recorded it for the album they basically just kept it on for fan service mm-hmm. and i think there's there's an interview with with jamie uh they did a because of the the december 2020 re-release he also did a, a commentary track by track and he starts off so many of the the, the commentary being like yeah this one's filler yeah. yeah, this one's filler, and and it it's it's typical first. I think it's first album syndrome. I think you just want to put so much out there. Your band hasn't, like you say, hasn't really picked its lane. It hasn't really chosen its way. It knows it's maybe released an EP with five tracks or so, a couple of singles here and there, which is what they had done. A lot of the fans were angry. Angry is not the right word, but a lot of the fans were a little bit disappointed that there are certain singles that didn't make it onto the album that they sort of expected. Mm-hmm. There was a song called Scared of the Police, Stucks that I mentioned earlier. They're missing from the album and they're very competent songs. Mm-hmm. The band was trying to make a statement that's like, no, we, we want to move forward. We don't want to have to stick to the stuff that we've been playing even longer. We, we want to give you new stuff. Yeah, An interesting little tidbit, I think. The song, I think it's Tonight My Wife Is Your Wife. And moving to Blackwater, I think those names used to be the other way around. Really strange little thing. I think on one of the singles, I wish I'd written down which one it is. One of the singles has got a a B-side on it. And I'm sure it's called Moving to Blackwater, but it's actually Tonight My Wife Is Your Wife. Or a version Ah, of it. Ah, right. The songs have different names, yeah. Yeah. Um, So the, the one that really always catches me though and it's still super super catchy to me freddy krueger that's the only song i knew going into this Uh, what do you think of that song now pretty much what i think i thought of it at the time and 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 i alluded to this in a text message earlier i kind of nothing the album i don't i don't hate it and I don't, I don't love it. I don't go in either side, and that's kind of why I almost hate myself by for saying you know pick a lane because it's admirable that they're trying to do new stuff and try you know that you, from your frame of mind they're not putting old singles onto a new album and they're trying new things like that's cool. We've sort of talked about how bands have maybe not done that in the past. Papa Roach comes to mind how they basically had their album recorded before they released it and you know did it over different EPs and stuff. Freddy Krueger's a cool song. But I'll hear it and I'll just be like, yeah, Freddy Krueger. 
and then I'm done. I'll I'll not go back to it because it's it just doesn't n- none of this really sits with me. There's as I've said before, catchy riffs and and, and vocal hooks and, and whatever, but there's not that appeal for me here, and that's almost absolutely why I never listened to this band. Fair. Uh, um, the last song on the album, Dusk. You know, it's a standard end of album tearjerker ballad. Yeah. But it, but again, it starts alluding to sort of where this band was going. So they played a... So the band really sort of gave up in 2007. But they have done like the odd little reunions. It's clearly very amicable what, what happened. But in, in, a, in an interview in 2020, they were doing like a Facebook Live show mm-hmm. just for just for bands, uh, that they alluded that Dusk was the last song that was recorded for Race Cars, Race Car Backwards. And it's about how exhausted he felt at the end of the album recording and how like unhappy and nervous he was about the state of the band at the time. And if you follow that up into the next album, which was Very Fast, Very Dangerous, you know, we spoke about that. There's the song called Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Which I, f- I fucking love that song. I absolutely love that song because it's it's just so on the nose. And given that literally last week we were talking about a Sadi album or an album recorded by Dave Sadi. Yeah. And there's Jamie Lenman writing lyrics that are you know, a video costs 50 grand, Sadi wants a fifth. You know, it just shows that he was seeing the cracks in the industry as well as the cracks in his own band at that stage. And he was, and it was clearly causing some doubts. Yeah, I another video I picked up is is an interview with him. And I, I can't remember the interviewer. I recognize the interviewer. I think he, I think he used to be on Scuzz. He was just a guy wearing like a sort of b-ball cap. And he's got Jamie, and he just flat out, as soon as the video starts, this is Jamie Lenman, why did Ruben break up? And uh, it looks genuine to me. Jamie's a bit like, oh, what would you mean? What? Oh, is this what we're going with? Oh, you bastard. Like, you know, and he goes into the, the history of it, and very much what you're saying, the, by the end of it, the, the band were exhausted. They did three albums. They put everything they had into those three albums. And almost put too much or did put too much into the albums because by the end of it they just had nothing left he he had no more songs to write he he just couldn't do it and that sucks that that totally sucks to be in that situation as far as i can tell you know having never been in that situation but it's a i think it's a shame that he that they found themselves in that situation and, and really sad but then the guys came back to music anyway he's he's now a, a solo artist so how how much contempt did he have for the industry if if he's now came back to it? He's clearly got over whatever hang-ups he had, whether he's worked through them or he's come to accept them as part of it or he's worked out a a contract which came through for him. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, whoever's paying his bills or whoever's paying for his albums to be made... You know, they they know he is a marketable brand. The music industry is obviously a lot different than what it was these days. To to, to when Ruben came out, two thousand and what was it, two thousand and four? We've got race cars, race car backwards. Only a few years later, you got the advent of streaming services. You got Spotify, etc. 
you even got crowdfunded albums, etc. So if that's how he's running his music now, he has a lot more control over it. Definitely. It comes down to control. When anyone who's desperately unhappy with, with something, it's often if they they feel out of control. They might be completely in control, but if they feel out of control, it can make people feel disillusioned or unhappy with it. In in, in other interviews he's he's referred to race cars, race car backwards, um, as too long, slightly juvenile. Uh the quality are Lenman's hang ups over his band's debut. You know, he's he's got he's got hang ups, he's got issues with it. And going through the uh track by track commentary on it's on available on Spotify if anyone wants to have a listen to it. It's fascinating. It's got more a lot more information than I'm gonna that we're ever gonna talk about. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just interesting that that he can recognise those flaws as well that that you're seeing yourself. Yeah, very very interesting to see that they very much seem to have worn their experience in the music industry on their sleeve. And we have also discussed with numerous albums and numerous artists that have gone on to to stay large. I mean, what we were talking about, Muse, they wanted they wanted Amer- the American label, was it EMI or whoever it was, wanted them to entirely re yeah. record the vocals because of the falsetto. Deftones had one of their biggest songs was was a was a result to, to, to some label controversy. Yeah. So we know we know labels are dicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> we we know labels are dicks, and it, I suppose it just sucks that I, I mean this 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 is just this is just conversation here. It's it's, it's by the by whether or not Ruben did or, or didn't wear their hearts on their sleeves here, but yeah, it's it just it just made my listening of the album difficult, shall we say. I'd probably say the closest to them, sort of, in not sonically, not not in a sound way, but certainly in a mentality sense, is some band like Million Dead. So you've got a singer, uh, Frank Turner, who, I mean, as a lyricist, amazing, amazing lyricist. He can he can he's he's a he's a poet. This is the second time you've mentioned Frank Turner and Million Dead. You've mentioned them a couple of times, actually, but notably, you mentioned them last week in relation to yeah, yeah, I did. Hills for Heroes and Hundred Reasons. And now you're now you're back here again with Frank Turner. What what is it about when you first said Frank Turner? I thought you meant Frank Carter. Thank you. I thought you meant Frank Carter. <laughs> I almost said Frank Carter. There's anyone who's listened to. So he's he's since gone on. So Million Dead only had two official albums. I don't I know the name. I don't even I don't think I know the band or any of the songs. Uh, they supported hundred. Uh, they they probably did support hundred reasons. But no, they supported uh, Funeral for a Friend on one of their tours in two thousand and three, I believe. Entirely possible. I saw them. Um, very, you know, he's an extremely capable lyricist, and that's really come about when you go into his his solo stuff when he is basically a folk musician he's a right. he's a billy bragg he's a bob dylan he's he takes just he just makes music out of words if that makes any sense 
you have to listen to it to get it. But I think they were extremely intelligent as a band, which, right. as as we have learned in 2020, intelligence doesn't necessarily mean success. No, very much so. Which is a sad fact that you could write the most intelligent, well-made, perfect song, but if it's not dumb and in 4-4 and just singing about that girl you met in a dance floor and took her home and shagged her. What, what is... Clearly, I don't yeah, want to listen and, to it. You know, it's... And if some suit doesn't think that you're sellable, if some suit doesn't think they can put 10 grand into you and make 100 back, then you're not going to get picked up. No, absolutely. That's it. And that's, that, that's the disillusionment of the, of, the, of the system. Yeah. And again, what a, sh- what a shit system it is. But... So, you you sort of said before as well that you didn't really go anywhere after race cars race car backwards purely because taste changed started listening to other things 100 percent. like i was by the time so by the time very fast very dangerous came out i was very much into my early 2000s metal core going through the back catalog of dillinger poison the well comeback kids Boys in the middle. Um, who else would have been on the on the sort of radar at that time? That early two thousand five Trivium were were up yep. there. Uh, still remains. You know these these bands would have My boys. So you try you try listening to that sort of music, and then a band that you listened to just a year ago that you listened to religiously that you had on nonstop played nonstop, and you listen to their first their, their second album. And it's largely the same. In fact, it's probably... I, I, I would hazard to think that if one of your hang-ups with the album is that it doesn't really have a direction, or that it's too broad, choose a lane, whatever, I think by the second album, it feels, certainly the first few songs of the album, very fast and very dangerous, make it feel like they chose a lane. And they chose right. a much more accessible lane. Yeah. So you're going from listening to that, and you you want something heavy, and you get the opposite of that. I just never got into it as much. There were, like I said, there's one of my favorite Ruben songs is on that album, but the album does not hold the same nostalgia. Doesn't have the same can. It can't hold a candle to race car, unfortunately, for me. Time, time, and a place as well. Nostalgia is the, the sort of key to everything here, and. If it just, you yourself said you moved to Edinburgh, your life pretty much changed, you're in university, you're in a different city, you're meeting new people, etc. Like, if if that album just, just so happened to not be a part of that, if other bands came along, if other material just took its place, well then it just, it, that's that's it, that's life, it just got knocked on, yep. and it's not something you came back to, that's, that's totally understandable, like, we've all been there, like, I... I don't listen to a lot of the bands that we've we've already spoken to. You know, Papa Roach and uh, well, I would probably still be listening to Linkin Park, uh, etc. Like, I don't even listen to Muse. Once upon a time in my life, Muse were the only band worth listening to. Yeah. And now, pff, don't don't even particularly care. Yeah, and it's not the band's fault. They they made the music that they wanted to make and release and go for it, but. The, uh, the, 
un, there wasn't a chance that a band was going to perfectly track exactly what I was wanting. Of course. Um, the only band that I can genuinely say have consistently made... Oh, I know what you're going to say. Good albums. Uh-huh. Every Time I Die. Oh, you didn't. You didn't go there. I thought you were going to say Deftones. No, no, no. I still listen to Deftones. Yep. I went off Deftones for a short while. I didn't go off them. I just was in a different place. Came back yeah. to them, went back over the catalogue and enjoyed it. But no, every time I die, since the first time I heard them in 2004, I heard two songs from Hot Damn bought hot damn and got a phenomenon at the same time and ever every album since then has never been disappointing i can just go they are one of these few few bands there's so few bands i can do this with I can just go on there spotify if i just had Listen. every song in a list put it on shuffle love it well we're we're, we're definitely going to do every time i die one day so i will not comment what you just said but yes <laughs> spoiler yep yeah that's yes. they're one of those bands and there aren't enough of those bands unfortunately but maybe that's a good thing maybe there's a good yeah. thing that there aren't enough of those bands Do, dare we say because I just saw the album and I'm like yeah yeah cool maybe even Slipknot could be one of those those bands I don't I don't haven't hands down loved every single album, but they've all still been at a pretty decent level. Personally speaking. Oh, they've been they've I think they've never made anything below a seven out of ten. Yes. If that's a fair would that re- be a I fair so. judgment to off so, the yeah. top of my head? Because that's there's an important one. People might have noticed that we've not done a Slipknot album. Because we're bracing ourselves. We're bracing our heads. That's going to be... Maybe, maybe a 6.9. Okay. We can talk about that one when it comes up. We will talk about that one. But have we said everything we want to say about Race Cars, Race Car Backwards by Ruben? Yeah, I think I've, I've got my point across, I hope. I would love to hear if anyone else felt the same way that I do, that, you know, there's total nostalgia for this, this very defined part it was a very defined part of my life the, the the months leading up to me coming up to edinburgh are, are very memorable for all the right reasons yep and this was this was the soundtrack to that you know sort of finalizing if that's a if you would ever consider that you know knowing that you're going to end relationships with friends and possibly never see or very rarely speak to them again yeah because you're going to make new friends it's a it's a it's a real turning point in your life, and this was, this was a soundtrack to that. I suppose is my soppiest thing I could say about it. So then I listened to songs like "Let's Stop Hanging Out," "Let's Stop Having Fun." Well, shit! I will just grab a tissue, dab a tear from my eye as you, you know, you you went out into the world and became a man. It's my boy. It's my boy Blue. Came to Edinburgh. Now I can only man. Like they're. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I've been harsh towards this album. I think I said it earlier. It just. It's kind of nothing that like there was parts of it 
I absolutely enjoyed and those parts of it that went over my head or just to the side and, and didn't really do much for me. But thanks, thanks for bringing it to the pod. It was, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those bands that I've, I've always known about, but just never really sat down to listen to. So that that's cool, man. Race Cars, Race Car Backwards by Ruben. Thanks for the murmurs. You're welcome to that. So next week... Next week! I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec. John Ralphio is an absolute legend. I, I'm, okay. Cool. Um, next week! I'm not, I'm not, I've, I've, never, I've, I've never watched it. It's, it's, <laughs> so that reference fell flat. <laughs> yeah, totally. I haven't a clue what that means. Uh, Parks and Rec, is that the... I always get through... There's three of them that I kind of interchangeably get mixed up Careful. and Careful laugh where you because... go here. Careful. Right, so Parks and Rec and Community, I mix those two up. Oh, okay. What's the third? Only because of the name. Uh-huh. It's got nothing to do with the name. I just think, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. All right, okay. For some reason, I get the three of them sort of... In... I have to like remind myself all of a sudden, no, that's the fucking funny one. That's the really funny one with Danny DeVito and Charlie See, Day. I never got Always Sunny. All... I... Always Sunny, I have a problem with cringe humour. And Always Sunny is cringe humour and I can't appreciate cringe humour. Like, everyone loves the original Office. I fucking hate it. I think it's a pile of dog shit. Right? I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. And I barely watch The American Office because the first time I ever watched The American Office, it's just a, a remake of The British Office. Right, but it's not. So, the first season is... Episode one, the pilot, almost shot for shot remake. and Exactly. Right? Just with different actors. But then there's another eight seasons, and it's amazing. I've, I've heard, I've heard, but I just, man, I don't know, like, I, the, if it, the David Brent office, as much as I'm not a fan, I would never call myself a fan of The Office, I've seen every episode. Yeah, it was just one of those shows that everyone went crazy for and watched. It was just ubiquitous. It was just there. It was just part of the yeah. part of the zeitgeist at the time. I think another one that sort of was just kicking around that I can maybe quote a bit more than I'm... Maybe I can't quote much of it, actually, come to think of it. But one that was just there always was Phoenix Knights, Peter Kay. Yeah, that's, Peter Kay went over my head by quite a bit. I didn't, I didn't really... Every time I saw... Excuse me, every time I saw him, he was in a different character and I never understood, is this a new show? Is this the Phoenix Knights? <laughs> is this, why is he on, why is he dressed as a woman doing X Factor? Like, where, where is this <laughs> in the Peter K back catalogue? And, and, and I never understood it. But if you get, if it wasn't, if I tried to watch The Office, the American Office as it came out, I wouldn't have stuck with it and I probably would have hated it. It's only that, you know, we're years later, it's on streaming services. I've had friends that have watched it and they were like, get past season one. It gets better. Season one is good, but it's cringe and it's not great. Get past season one, get on to season two, definitely hit season three and you're, you're sailing. You're on to some of the best sitcom television you'll ever watch. And I, I agree. I love. I watched the whole thing twice now, and it's amazing. I can see it, and you know, you see it in the memes. The Michael Scott, um, Michael Scott, Parker. Yep. <laughs> what more do you want? That's the one. It's the one I could always remember. But anyway, why are we talking about fucking American sitcoms, man? Uh, I mean, 
is it you next? Yeah, it's you next week. It's me next week, and I and I even know what I'm doing. I'm prepared for this. Yeah, you told me, and I want to. I'm 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 gonna. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you reveal. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Sir. Thank you. All right, all right. We've already uh, we've already touched on how 2004 was a bit of an explosion for for the both of us musically. Tastes started to change. Definitely started to go heavier. We've touched on Kill Switch Engage, so I am going to go with Kill Switch Engage's label buddies. Aptly named because only 18 people turned up to their first show. Apparently, fucking 36 crazy fists. Ear punch. Thirty six nice. crazy fists and a snow capped romance. First band I ever saw live in Edinburgh as well. And I was there apparently. Eighteen visions. And Bullet. Bullet my Valentine. Bullet my Valentine. Oh my god! I think I've seen Bullet like three times. I've seen them too many times. We're gonna have to. We're gonna admit some harsh truths in a week's time. Yeah, the po- the poison's coming up anyway because that came out in two thousand five. But yeah, two thousand four is a snow capped romance. We all know Slit Wrist Theory, etc. But it wasn't until sort of Snowcap Romance where I was really like, fucking hell, this is punching me in the nuts and I like it. I'm going to have to remind myself I've not listened to this band for a very long time. Also featured Howard, Howard Jones. That it did. I think on it Destroy the Map. Yes, that sounds familiar, but I'd be lying if I, I, haven't, even, I, knew. I haven't even looked this up yet. This is amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna have I'm to. Killing yeah, it. you're gonna you're gonna have to take me on a take me on a journey next week. So, yep, that's next week. Right now, live, you can bloody well take us home. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We have been alive or just blethering. Please do reach out to us on our socials: Instagram at AOGB Podcast, uh, Facebook, and Twitter are also available. Should you wish, uh, the next time on Alive or Just Blethering, Keith is going to take us through 18 swinging knuckles, 36 crazy fists, a snow-capped romance. Can you hear, can you hear at the end of August already? At the middle of September, the middle of September. Thanks everyone, good night. Good night.